Welcome back to This Could Have Been an Email, the podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Nicole. And we are back. Yeah. I I feel a little underdressed, though, Alex, because you have this, like, fabulous yeah. new coiffed hairdo going on. But you're squinting. I can tell you're not sure about it. Let's unpack I, this. I'm not sure about it. That's all, though. I think it's okay. So the cool girls, apparently, the money pieces are still a thing. But I don't part my hair because I'm a millennial. So, like, it's supposed to look like this, but oh, the contrast funny. is intense. I'll upload pics so listeners can kind of get a visual. Yeah. Um. Yeah, still getting used to it. Also using husband Brett's uh, podcasting setup, which is very different. I have a green screen behind me. I'm like, I wish I had some fun thing going on that Seriously. we could be looking at. <laughs> so very new things today. Everything looks... Oh, I like this clock behind you, though. Is that different? I think I've, this Maybe. is now the third configuration of my office. And it was like the first one I wanted to redo. I was like, I'm going to like feng shui or just like, I love moving furniture. And it became like, oh, well, then we unanchored the bookshelves from the wall. And then it was, I could put two of these bookshelves in my living Nicole. room. And because when you have kids, you have to anchor shit to your walls so they don't like cause a safety issue um oh but then i don't know these things yet you'll figure it out it's fine really fine this is like how long one of the screws was i want to be like what are you trying to get it into the next room yes for our listeners that's like a four to five inch screw it's ridiculous inches i think four i think four is accurate it was a lot and uh but now we've done the thing where we're like well if we're gonna move the bookshelf in the other room might as well do the floors that we've been talking about oh well, we but before we wow. do the floors we might as well paint you know get it on the old carpet so i've been living in painting hell and it's so this been... is what fun employment is everyone yeah. now knows that you're that you're fun employed yes. so we're just like diying our home during our time off i love this for a you. lot of diying um also i had two uh one five hour and one eight hour board meeting um holy crap for for our fans that yeah didn't listen to season one nicole is a oh my god i was gonna say a director of the school board but those are all the wrong words no it's okay i'm a school board member (laughs) that's fine you got most of the words right um and i'm the clerk on the school board but then i recently joined the board of review in our local city so alex if you ever uh get upset at how your property taxes are rated in the value of your home. Yeah, you can come talk to me about it at the Board of Review. It's really fun. Uh, I feel I'm excited that you're maybe able to lean into that more now that you're fun employed, even if you didn't want to. It's it's actually kind of fun figuring out how like local government works and then being like, this is where a lot of decisions are made that affect the majority of your day to day life. Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of responsibility, lady. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. Any, any time I'm doing like a top hat bow, uh, the the school board meeting that ended at two in the morning was not my favorite. Um, Oh God, Nicole. And it was literally on (laughs) the, the horrible thing was, uh, the last thing. And I'll just go ahead and overshare, um, right in the middle of the meeting. This was a very emotional hearing. There was an a physical altercation between a staff member and a student. And what? yeah, there was a lot of background, um, just a lot of issues. I will just say 
Staff and students are not okay. Like education has been massively underfunded for years. And so mm-hmm. none of us should be surprised at these outcomes. Like it's, it's, it's really a lot. We have a lot of work left to do. But it was like a, almost like a full trial hearing. Like the school district had a lawyer. The employee had a lawyer. And the school board had a lawyer. And there were like community members there who were kind of like speaking out. We couldn't hear. We had to ask them to be quiet or they'd be removed from the room. Everyone ended up complying, but it was this full like eight hour hearing and closed debate. And then we came back and decided that we would not terminate his employment, the staff member. But like in the middle of it, (laughs) we had to be escorted to a separate bathroom to take a bathroom break. Yeah, just to like just to kind of avoid chatter. Right. You're not sure the talk. It's like being on jury duty. Exactly. A little bit. We were like sequestered okay. a little. And uh, got it. Of course, like right in the middle, I was like, fuck, I just got my period. Oh, and, like, no. <laughs> so like our mostly bo- male board members, which it used to be mostly women, um, are there. And our as- assistant superintendent, uh, who's also male. And I was like, Dude, I need a tampon. Where can I find one? And because our, this, I can't do it in this sequestered way. Right, right. And our board president was like, "Sorry, we're forcing you to be so open." And I was like, "I've also pumped at a board meeting on stage, just like low key under my shirt." I was like, "Yes, there's like no shame in my game." So when the when we finally like read the ruling or the decision at the end, we literally did it, and I just turned around and started sobbing because I was like. I'm just so emotional and I'm tired and it's 2 a.m. and I got my period. It was a really fun time. Oh, my God. What an emotional roller coaster your, like, last week has been. Other other than my hair and shout out to Studs, which apparently is a national shop. I got an ear piercing. I I feel like such a wild woman. Oh, my God. But other than that, I between that and my hair, I nothing much else has occurred. But funny enough, because our guest today, I'm excited to chat with what I did get to work on this week that is very related. And then I will introduce our guest is I think I've mentioned maybe that Brett's mom, my husband's mom, passed away in 2017. But she was a she was an educator. She was in school and she taught special needs children. Brett is a little dyslexic. Um, I think I'm dyslexic at this point. But she was writing a children's book that I will not give details of because I need an NDA and I think I want to publish it as a book that she never finished. But it was this great children's book about like helping kids learn the steps of getting ready on any given day. And I have since typed it out from all of her notes and like writings on paper that we found in a box. And I know nothing about publishing books. I know nothing about books in general. One of my favorite podcasters also just released a children's book. So naturally, I was just like, who do I know in my network who's an awesome writer, who's an awesome author that can teach us the things about, like, what is life as a writer and an author? Because I know nothing about this life. And that leads me to introduce. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go. Before you throw Hannah, I just wanted to say, like, I'm still on my fucking period. You're making me cry as you're oh, I'm sorry. Story. It's a really sweet story. If we can actually publish it or at minimum like print copies of it for the family, I almost want to like sell it locally if I can't I do it. Through I, want, I will so. help you sell them. And and you're about to intro Hannah, who's fantastic and will probably give us many good pointers. 
on how to exactly. do this. I know. I know. Well, let me give you guys a couple quick tidbits about Hannah, and then she will tell us all about herself. So funny enough, as I've mentioned maybe in some of our premiere episodes of season one, I have worked many a job through my corporate America life over the last 13 years. And one of them, which was around 2012, was in the grocery industry. So I actually worked for a very popular chain in the New York City area. Sadly, I think is now maybe no longer around. I, I'm not sure. Hannah can maybe maybe knows that. Um, but we met there and I kind of I worked in IT as kind of a digital slash marketing liaison with marketing. And Hannah and I worked briefly together on the content that we created for one of the first loyalty apps that we had created for the supermarket. And I was always fascinated by Hannah because this supermarket specifically was all about like imported foods. So like incredible olive oils and like incredible cheeses. And it was like the first time I'd ever heard of like a cheesemonger or like a fishmonger or like an olive oil monger. And, and Hannah was like the pro at all of this. She has since authored two Amazon bestselling memoirs, one called Feast, True Love, In and Out of the Kitchen, and Plenty, a memoir of food and family. She's also the editor-in-chief at Parent.com, which is amazing and speaks about all things parenting, food, body image, and beyond. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Hannah, welcome to This Could Have Been an Email. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you amazing ladies. And it does feel very full circle because I'm back in New York City this weekend for the Fancy Food Show, just exploring lots of cheese and olive oil and all that fun, delicious stuff that connected me and Alex more than a decade ago. I know. Isn't that wild? I will say in the last part of your bio is like she loves stinky cheese, which now that I'm, I don't even know if you know this, Nicole and I are in uh, the Madison, Wisconsin area. I relocated here in 2017. And now I have like a passion for cheese because who doesn't in Wisconsin? So very, very yes. full circle. Um, Hannah, I just bought, we were at the farmer's market. If you ever come to Madison, they have a beautiful farmer's market and we'll have to take you. Um, and uh, I bought this cheese from Hooks, which is a very good cheese producer here in Madison. Shout out to Hooks. And it's my intent at trying to get my husband to eat non-cow's milk cheese. It's called Triple Play, and it has, like, sheep's milk and goat milk in it. And I'm like, it's oh. just mild. Yeah. And it's, like, my slow... This is my life that I'm really interested in getting him to, like, non-cow's milk cheese. So. That's the perfect way. I love that. That's such a great plan. And I would love to come on a cheese and other trip to Wisconsin. I just... I For an article, I was interviewing Andy Hatch, who's one of the founders and owners of Uplands Cheese Company, which makes oh. amazing cheese, including a really delicious stinky cheese, um, Rush Creek Reserve, which is just a seasonal cheese. Googling. Seriously, awesome. literally you and I are both doing this. Yeah. How do I get the cheese? I love it. Oh, we're going to talk a lot about cheese and food on this one, which is like my absolute happy place, but obviously also your happy place. So why don't you tell us more about you? Like what put you on sure. this incredible journey? Like writing and talking about food seems like such a dream to me. It really is a dream and it definitely has been my dream. I've really always loved food and cooking and my mom was an awesome cook and some of my best childhood memories are like going to the farmer's market with her followed by like the cute little Italian grocery store. I grew up in Baltimore. So love food, love cooking. I love, always also loved 
writing books and telling stories. And when I was in middle school, I started my own zine called Power Dreams, where I shared all the stories of me and my yes. friends. Um, how do we get? So, how do we get this copy? Is that oh, archived? My mom still has like a box of it in her closet, and she's like, "I don't know why it's, it should be in my closet." But um, <laughs> yeah, so jokingly, my husband called. You know, I have. I think there were three. There were three episodes. Three episodes. Three issues, and then sure, I stopped. So when I was working on my first memoir, Feast, he it was saved in my computer. It was called Power Dreams Number Four. So. That was that was my husband's idea. And um, the, the second book, Plenty, Power Dreams, number five. But I certainly didn't think that writing about food was a plausible career choice. Sure. Um, I did study. I have always also loved New York City. So I went to college at Columbia, mostly so I could be in New York City. And I was the first year that they had a creative writing major, which was really exciting to me. Wow. And I remember going to the advisor and him suggesting that I also major in something else so that I have something to write about. Mm. Oh, shoot. So I majored. I'm digging into that later. So I majored in anthropology, also very practical and creative writing. But while I was in school, I started working at restaurants. I just, I wanted a job and I found a hostess job on Craigslist at Picholine, which was this like very fancy old school Michelin starred French restaurant on the Upper West Side. And they had a cheese cart. And I was, I just wanted to be by the cheese cart. Like it was awesome. It was just full of like so many cool, delicious things that I had never seen or tasted or experienced before. And I just did sort of like fall in love with this whole world of like, fine dining and cheese and that captured my imagination and I graduated in 2009 so it was like really weird times and I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I but I thought I needed to do something practical so I enrolled in a restaurant management program at a state at a national steakhouse Houston, Hillstone Restaurant oh, Group. Oh, interesting. And Did you have yeah, those in Texas, Nicole? Houston's. I think, I think so. They have them in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay, JK. All the time, I think they've like shrunk. They're still around. Um, there were like 50 of them. I think there's like, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. There's like 12. I, I, yeah. I don't remember that specifically, but I know I've had friends who've gone into, um, which I found super interesting when these places run their own restaurant management like programs. Like mm-hmm. a cu- I've had a couple friends go through the Texas Roadhouse program, which like I'm not trying no to get here. Texas Roadhouse is like the fanciest place ever. But my friends talk so highly about like how well cared for they felt they were both women and they both like went through this program. So I just find that like super fascinating when companies do that too. So yeah. All right. We'll have to double click on that. Sorry. We interrupted you, Hannah, but that was I've what never heard of of um like management programs like that through restaurants, but that makes a ton of sense if they're yeah. especially a large chain. It just felt like legit to me. It was kind of, it was the opposite. I was working at the time for Casalula, this amazing little quirky cheese and wine bar. So it was the opposite in every way. It was so corporate, so not for me. The rule book was, you know, as thick as my paw like it was just a (laughs) it was a lot of rules and a uniform and 
I remember you had to wear a black suit with a white shirt underneath. And there was a drawing of someone with their arm at 90 degrees, 180 degrees. I don't know why their arm was showing you how much your shirt could like stick out of the suit. That's it was very so intense. It was so specific. But I learned, I hated it and I learned so much. I made it for, I think, like almost a year. I just, I learned a ton about like service and they had you do every position in the restaurant. So you were also uh, shadowed the accountant and we saw all the books and how that worked and closed up the numbers at the end of every night. And you shadowed the cooks and the bartenders and the servers. And so I just, I learned a ton and I thought, oh, maybe this restaurant just isn't the right speed for me. So then I got a job managing a small family fine dining restaurant in Philadelphia, which was a lot more my speed in terms of the style and the vibe. And after working there for two years, I think that was when I thought, maybe I don't want to run a restaurant. Maybe this is not for me. I mean, I'm a morning person, which is just wrong. (laughs) Like the hours are... You know, 2 a.m. walking home. Right. No, thank you. I start, you know, and you never see, like, you're always working when everyone else is playing. So you right. never see mm-hmm. people. And I think it wasn't as creative as I hoped it would be. It did kind of feel oh. like in some ways every night was a little bit the same. But I had loved, I always loved writing. And so I was doing a little writing on the side, including this gig for the Amex website, interviewing food business people. Which is how I met Stephen Jenkins, who is the olive oil cheese guru of Fairway Market, where I met Alex. And he was, he's insane. And I mean, I say that. He's insane. I remember that. And insane. Everybody at Fairway Market was a little bit insane. Oh, yeah. He was. (laughs) In the best way. Totally. And on a complete whim, I mean, I was in my early 20s. I just asked him, I was like, hey, are you hiring? And he's like, yeah, sure. Because they were at the time they had just been bought by a private equity firm and they were growing. And I started behind the cheese counter. But the kind of idea was that I knew how to write. I love to write. And so that was my first job as a copywriter. So I ended up writing the signs for the cheese counter, the app that Alex and I worked together on, the little like newsletters they would send out about like what fish was on sale. and. I loved it. I was like, oh, my God, I can get paid. I didn't know that I could get paid to write about food. And I was like, this is a dream job. And it was, it is, it still is. And I still, you know, to this day, so that was 12 years ago. Yeah. I still, I still do that work. You know, I, one of my freelance clients is Marie's Cheese. And we just relaunched their new website. And I, yeah, they're awesome. And I worked in art. They're so good. They're so good. And so... So my career is like multifaceted. I write books. I teach writing classes. I edit. I'm a journalist and contribute to different newspapers and digital media and kind of whoever will, whoever will have me. It's really interesting because I love the, the way you kind of describe, I feel like a lot of women that we talk to, a lot of people, but especially women, We'll just kind of say, and you know, then off of a whim, I asked this or then it didn't feel right. And there's so many moments of you choosing authenticity for yourself in your journey, right? Like the, well, I don't know that I want to do that. So I tried this thing because it felt like the next best action. And it, and I tried this thing and I've been 
doing, I signed up for masterclass because I've always wanted to. And I'm taking this course is called Designing Your Career, which feels a lot of like reiterating what I did with my career coach. But it's taught by Elaine Weltroth, who is like in the fashion industry. She's a journalist as well. And she talks about being like a hyphen. And like, as you're talking, Hannah, I'm like hyphen, uh, you know, copywriter for professional applications of food slash like reading your two books. And, you know, we can go out. We can get into this now if it makes sense, but it's really interesting kind of the way you introed Feast. And there's also like a very underlying kind of more personal thread through the book that's not just about food. It's about your relationship with food. And plenty, it looks like focuses more on like you going into motherhood and your community and things like that. So I just, it's really striking this idea of not having everything fully mapped out, but trusting your gut and then being like really authentic about that and the bravery that it takes to be that authentic, I think is just something that's like very much missing from the female experience because the the woman who runs Girls Who Code, I love what she says. We teach our girls to be p- perfect and our boys to be brave. And we don't teach mm-hmm. girls to be brave. We teach them to be perfect. So I don't know, like, did you ever get negative feedback on like (laughs) I don't know was your mom ever like Hannah my darling what are you doing like was anyone ever kind of questioning your path that wasn't as clear or was everyone super supportive I I mean I do feel really lucky my parents were really supportive so I and so after fairway I I left and I and I agree I feel like I have been kind of searching for what feels like good and right and true. And it's so much easier to, as a, as a writer to like write about things that feel genuinely like juicy, exciting, close to my heart. Like that stuff just comes this stuff, you know, other things can be harder. So, okay. So uh, after fairway, I went to work for this restaurant group that doesn't exist anymore. It was a partnership of these two kind of celebrity chefs at the time April Bloomfield and Ken Friedman and Ken ended up being one of those like original me too chefs who was just like and I did I I, so this job was the worst I was only there for six weeks which of course now I know is like a total gift but I did not know what I I was I was hired with a fancy title it was called the director of communications but I actually had no idea what that meant or like what I was supposed to be communicating and to whom. And um, so, you know, and when they fired me after six weeks, that was when I decided maybe I'll try to be a freelancer, which felt like a huge risk at the Mm -hmm. time. And I don't think I would have had the courage to do it if I didn't get laid off. But I was expecting my parents to be like, no, get a job. What are you talking about? And they were like, so supportive which surprised me and um you know I I've been really I feel like since then I I really thought of it as an experiment I thought I'll take six months and we'll see what happens and we'll see if I can support myself and I was single at the time and but I lived in New York City which my rent was you know that's one of the most expensive places astronomical so yeah (laughs) so it wasn't it wasn't easy but I feel like that also that what you talked about that bravery I also like to kind of think about things as an experiment. Mm. 
and that kind of takes some of the pressure off of it. And I love feels- that, Hannah. That's so like yeah. it takes a very personal piece out of it. And I've, I feel similarly like when every new experience is a new data set, like you try yeah. something and you're like, oh, I really loved that. And I confirmed I really hate doing that type of work. I couldn't like, (laughs) no, 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 please. And thank you. So I love that idea of like just the whole thing is an experiment because it makes it less pressure filled. Yeah. And it is so true that with each of these like jobs and experiences, we get kind of closer to finding that authenticity that you were talking about, because exactly like you said, we're learning. Like, I really thought that. I wanted to run a restaurant and it took doing it yeah. to realize that, that you didn't. I don't want to run a restaurant. I still want to go to restaurants. I love restaurants. <laughs> I want to write about restaurants, you know? So it's like, what is, what is my way in? And I, you know, I hope like, I hope that it's not static and that will change. And I'm still trying new things. My new thing now that I'm trying is writing fiction, which is completely new Ooh. for me and scary and exciting. I've never done it before, but I love reading novels. And why not, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's well, that's a perfect segue, actually, to, to my next question, which is really what that process is like. So, I mean, you've done a ton of work to get to where you are in terms of like defining the things that you enjoy writing about, whatever the the outlet is, right? If it's, um, you know, a website, digital or or actual print. Um, what is what is that day to day like? Like I'm I envision because I have no idea that instead of like being in front of a computer nine to five, you're like have to lock yourself in a room nine to five to just like write all the time. And I'm sure everybody has a different experience with that. Right. So this is probably very unique to you. But what is that like in balancing, you know, what we like to call mommyhood and womanhood, like everything Nicole brought up? It's so true. It's one thing to be brave, but it's another thing. It's like you can't forget you have this whole life that you're balancing around your career, air quotes, or what brings you joy. So what is that day-to-day like for you? Because I know you have a kiddo as well, right? I don't know how old she is. Yeah, I have two little ones, a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. Oh, my God. You're a busy bee, girl. Yeah, so I'm, like, in it. And I also, like, talking to you about experiment, like, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I have friends who becoming a mom really shifted their like priorities and mm-hmm. their perspectives. I was kind of, I feel in a way like becoming a mom has made me more ambitious in a way because first of all, it's given me confidence because I found it to be incredibly hard. Hardest for me, I love it. I love my kids so much. They're still really little. I've Nicole never done anything hard, hard nodding her head. Mm-hmm. Her hardest fucking makes, thing ever. It's the hardest fucking thing ever. It makes for me work feel like a vacation. And I know that's not like fair to say, but it feels like my reality. Yeah, that's your experience. So, totally. Yeah, that's my experience. And, you know, my time is feels so valuable because it's so mm-hmm. limited. So it's made me a lot uh, more picky about what I say yes to. And um, so I feel like it's really kind of st- it's like helped me step up my game in a way. Um, so, I mean, I, one of the things I really love about working for myself and having all of these projects going on is that two days really are not the same. So I do spend some time with me and my laptop and I love working from various coffee shops 
I like working from now that I, for the first time, I live in a little town in New Jersey. So I have a backyard that I've been working so from. So cute, by the way. Love a cute main street. Yeah. So I do that. I, you know, but here I am for a weekend by myself in New York City going to some events and I have some interviews that I'm, you know, this is also work, even though it looks really different than my typical day. And, um, it is hard. Like I'm up 6.30 with my kids and I get up because I hear them chattering and I get milk ready and change a diaper and, you know, take the dog for the walk. So I feel like by the time I sit down, take my daughter to preschool, by the time I like start my work day at around 9.30, I do feel like I've already had like a full day. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I can't believe it. But I love the flex. And I'm still like, figuring out like what, what things are going to change again because my son is going to start that preschool in yeah. a few weeks, which is very exciting for their summer camp. But I kind of love that I can like, you know, some days it is like me and my laptop for a lot of hours. I, in terms of writing, I'm someone who like, works kind of in these focus bursts so I'll sit down and I I this morning I ha I have an article to do tomorrow I wrote it in two hours and now it's done and I'm like done so I'll have days like that where I just work 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 and, and then come out yeah come out and then the rest of the day is like answering emails or sending invoices or you know like more task related things so hannah right. sorry sorry to interrupt you just just so we no, all no. understand so you're editor at parrot.com yeah so i have a lot of freelance jobs and one of my consistent kind of anchor clients that i have every month is editing the website parent.com which is so fun, you know, and it's also a, a new experience for me to work in the parenting space after working mostly in the food and beverage space for so long. That's so cool. And I think for listeners here, if during any of this, you hear a little, uh, uh, that's Alex trying to edit out me interrupting Hannah, because I'm so excited about like, I I personally am, this is probably bad that I'm part of this interview. Because I feel like I want to ask you five million questions. Because like, no, that's what we're here I know, for. I know, but it feels do it. So, it feels so relatable. Because this past week, I just started my LLC, and I'm going through a very Woo! similar thing. Not nearly as creative. <laughs> this idea, and I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, and they're like, it's really great to have one good anchor client, and then you can focus and really plan, and then you bring in the creativity with all these other clients. So, uh. It's sorry for cutting you off so much because it's so exciting to hear you kind of talk through how this isn't a move of fear, but how you kind of creatively stack your revenue streams and your creative engagements and things like that to have kind of like parent.com be your foundation and you can commit and reserve that time and then you kind of stack other jobs on top of that. Is that an accurate statement? That's an accurate statement. It is definitely true, everything you said. And that for me, one of the challenges of being a freelancer has definitely been that sort of roller coaster nature because things are inherently temporary, right? Mm -hmm. So projects come and go and it can be feast or famine. It can be hard to plan ahead. And so you're totally mm -hmm. right that 
having this consistency of an anchor client takes some of the pressure off me from start. Like I was talking to a fellow freelance writer who says she starts at zero every month. And I don't feel like wow. I started zero every month. I start, I feel like I at least start at like 50% because I have this <laughs> great kind of anchor client. Yeah. I love that. That yeah. is helpful to understand kind of what that means from an anchor perspective. I do think, you know, I don't know if it's because we're all in the age range that we're in. I know like my husband's like eight years older than me and is currently also considering freelancing. I mean, it's funny when we did our taxes this year, our tax uh, person is like has her own small business and you know, she's not like pushing us to start an LLC, but just giving the context that like the reality is like our tax system, like everything is built on working, like thinking you have to work for the man, but you actually get a lot more benefits and opportunities from things like taxes when you're working for yourself and doing your own thing. But that is so counter to what we're all like encouraged to do coming out of college, like going and having the stability of a 401k and a salary. And like, I, I just think that that's really hard right now for a lot of people, especially creatives. Like my husband's super creative and I'm just like, I think he might have to freelance or write a book or something because where he is from a tech perspective is not where everybody is right now. And I think when you, when you really want to like love and own and be passionate about what you do every day, if, if you can't find that anchor in a full-time job, you have, you know, you have to find it through freelance. And I do, I do find that so fascinating. I, as always, our guests, I feel like tie so well to what we have going on in our lives. So I, I also love that you're loving it all, Nicole, because you guys have never met before, before this <laughs> but we all have that kind of shit in common, you know, and we're all just navigating it. And everyone I think is trying to define that for themselves right now. So it's like the more inspiration, the better. I used to I kind of think that if I had really made it as a writer, I could just like write books, you know, right. and um, which I guess is possible. I feel like that's a very, very small number of people who have that experience. But I've come to actually feel very lucky to have all of this hodgepodge of different kinds of clients and jobs. I feel like it's kind of keeps me creatively refreshed and I like getting to work with different people in different places and different companies and you know little tiny startups and like bigger companies and it just it feels fun in a in a different way and I also feel like if I just had to and you know the things that I write are very personal when I'm writing my books and stuff and if I just had to sit and write about myself all the time you know I, I think that that, that was exciting. Be... None of us are that interesting <laughs> if you had to write consistently about yourself. Yeah, like it, it kind of loses the the excitement. So it's nice to be focused on other people, other things, other. And then I always get to come back to that, you know, as well. Now, I love that so much. Speaking of these two babies who rely on you and, um, you know, any partner or support system that you might have in your life, like. Can you just talk a little bit about how do you keep that balance? Are you of the camp that when you're a freelancer slash entrepreneur, like there is a rigid, here are my working hours, here is um, kind of my boundaries, or because two days are never the same, is it kind of like a week by week bucket, right? You say, okay, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be a shit show, but Thursday and Friday, my family is like the first priority in my head. like. 
How do you kind of keep that balance for yourself and your family? Yeah, it's definitely tricky. And I try not to be too rigid because I feel like one of the reasons I'm a freelancer is that I don't have to be. But that can cut both ways. I mean, my husband has a much more traditional corporate job. He works in sort of financial tech. And he, like, even before we had kids, when we first started, when we first moved in together, I remember feeling resentful that, you know, the super had to come to our apartment for something and that it was just kind of assumed that I was the one who could deal with it because I worked mm, for myself. You were home. Mm-hmm. Sure. However, I was home and it didn't make sense that I was the right. one to deal with it. And then having kids just amplifies that a million times because there's just so many more moving parts to deal with. So it's been definitely a challenge for me and for our relationship, kind of figuring out what is the division of labor in terms of kids and responsibilities and being on call, because especially, you know, we became parents in April 2020. So I still like, you know, remember these school COVID closures for weeks on end. And who, what, what are we going to do? So I feel like I have tried to embrace this flexibility. And even though in my brain, I can be so rigid like I'm definitely someone who does not want to miss a deadline like I I'm very I pride myself on like being consistent and being fast and getting everything ahead of time but I've learned that sometimes I have to say to a client hey is this really urgent to have tomorrow or can it wait till the end of the week which was like at first so hard for me to do but then so often the response is like, of course I can wait. Like, they don't care. Yeah. And then now I've just made my life like a million times easier. Yeah. Um, or like, I hate working at night. But like, okay, sometimes I got to do it. And like, that's maybe in the day I can take a rest. You know, like kind of figuring out that like, I can make it work to the best of my ability. And I'm often so much harder on myself than any like outside source client editor. You know, it's really like the 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 stress is often coming from my own brain. Yeah. Doesn't it always? I was <laughs> it's, I, we're all we're all our own worst enemies when it comes to our brains. And that's that's feels like a really relatable thing with people in corporate America too. Like yeah. the constantly having to be like is this okay? Am I meeting your expectations? Like I had friends who'd be like, I hate, you know, reviews and and goals and KPIs and whatever. And I was like, I kind of like it because it keeps it very objective. Like if you're telling me I'm not meeting your expectations, I can point to some goals and be like, which one of these specifically am I not meeting? Because if you can't point those out, it cannot be my job to try and navigate this feeling that you have on the left side of your stomach that makes you think I'm maybe not good at my job, right? Like, give me some fucking details and some data. Well, is that where you had the? Is that where you had pain, Nicole? Specifically? No, it's not. Although I don't know, <laughs> but that says that that's the part I picked out. I feel like whenever <laughs> someone just is like, and they kind of wince. Yeah. This is the image I have them doing, just shifting to their side. But it's, uh, yeah, no, I have the same. Mine is carried in my shoulders, oh my, right oh my behind shoulder. my neck. You know, I love letting it go sometimes. Yeah. So we started off this season really excited, I think, to focus on 
or bring light to community, right? That's a lot of what we heard in our first season in terms of how women are navigating all of these different facets of life, whether freelance, right? I think you might be our first like full-time freelancer, if you will, with like a lot of different things going on. So I want to hear more on the community front, but I did, I did want to touch on one quick thing before we go there, which may not even impact you, but more of just something I found interesting in thinking about having you on and your expertise and just liberal arts and writing and like what that really looks like for people that choose to pursue it as a, a career. But as we mentioned, you know, a lot of our listeners and and some of our guests, either in corporate or in industries where, you know, women happen to be underrepresented. We had a whole episode about um, being laid off. Nicole and I were laid off together. We had a Gen Z and someone who I'm going to call her an older millennial because I don't know her age right now. And we all just talked about being laid off and and how some of us were really empowered after that or felt very frozen in time. But either way, you know, the fact that it's just hard navigating that when, when women or people of color are kind of underrepresented in those, you know, landscapes or parts of our lives. Words Rated, which is a independent kind of international research data and analytics group, polled in 2021 that authors and women or sorry authors and and writers in general are about 50-50 split women and men which i thought was really interesting i guess not surprising a lot of i guess men in in literature <laughs> over the centuries you know have been mostly men or women that penned you know what they wrote um but where there is still underrepresentation is in earnings of course because i feel like we can't win that anywhere and it is a heavy primarily white i'm putting industry in air quotes but passion area for people. So I guess is any of that in terms of there being a lot of men involved or maybe not being a lot of men involved or like finding community in this passion of yours across different sectors, freelancing, authoring, being an editor on a site. Does any of that impact your experience as a writer at all? You've been doing it for over 12 years now. Tell us more about that if it impacts you or if it doesn't. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic where in 2017 I got a creative writing masters and my class was 75 percent women i'd say so it was really and very white so there's definitely like a certain way a lot of writers look and yet my experience my agent is a woman my editor was a woman the head of my publishing house was a woman so that's awesome but a lot of the people like a lot of the editorial directors a lot of the publishers a lot of the people with like the really big power when it comes down to it are men Mm. so it's again that story of like the men are at the top and then I think there's another thing where women's books are often relegated to the category of women's fiction or like women's stories or something and seen as like kind I think like kind of less serious um so yeah I think that there's like still a lot of work to be done but I also well, I think it's cool to be in a space with a lot of amazing women. And I think this is true for a lot of artistic fields. I've heard the same thing about fashion. I've heard it about art that you can't, it's really hard to make money in the, until you're at the very top. Mm-hmm. So you can, it just creates this barrier that you can't do it unless you have an outside support for, from family or a spouse it's really broken in that way like leaves leaves previously marginalized communities entirely out of the equation to your point if you can't afford for someone to float you 
so that your voice can be heard, your voice isn't going to inherently be heard. Exactly, because you can't afford to work for $35,000 a year as an editorial assistant. Because who can? Right. The people who can are the people with help from generational wealth. Right. I am proud that I, like, paid my own rent, but my parents paid my college tuition and I didn't have school debt. So I have a lot of privilege. And I think it's, I paid, I paid my graduate school tuition with my book advance. That's that awesome. felt good. That's, um, yeah. But you know, it's like, and now I'm proud that I just taught a class on freelance writing and money. And I'm proud that I feel like I've been able to do pretty well for a freelance writer. But my husband makes a lot more than me. And I remember feeling so sad when I got that first advance and he got and it felt like that was the money that I was getting paid for my life's work. And he got his Ugh. bonus for the year, which was more than that, which was just like a bonus for the work he was already doing. And he works really hard and he is really brilliant. Absolutely. But it's not fair. But or, or not like, fair. I know it's it's a fair point that it's a very unfair way to feel, you know, like money does dictate in that way. I mean, I don't think Brett would be offended for me bringing this up, but you know, I know Nicole, you and you and Josh also wor worked through this in your decision to leave your job and and figure this all out is we're all inherently wanting to support our families and like money is so closely tied yes. to what we bring to the table and I it's I think it's brave, it's hard to be able to sit back and say I wish it was more than his damn it, one-off bonus, but this right. is what this is worth right now. And it means a lot to me more than the money does, right? And I think that's just that balance. We still haven't had a dedicated episode on our partners and how much they support us, but we talk about it all the time that such an important part of being able to figure out your passions and focus on your passion is not feeling like you have to do it alone, right? Whether that's a partner you live with or your parents or whatever, we need those support systems to be able to do what we love, right? I don't know. It sounds very mushy. I want to cry. But... That's great. It's <laughs> That's really what it is. Though. I know. Um, well, that I feel like actually comes to really our last question that I'd love to double click on, which is just around community and that support system. So again, you've maybe touched on it through telling us your background and all the different ways that you work right now through being a freelancer. But we've learned from a lot of our mom guests that having a mom community is so important to getting by or getting by jesus it is really hard to the moms out there getting sometimes by. it feels um, like as, that it's thriving but yeah. some days it feels like surviving you're not wrong yeah. alex <laughs> but as a mom or as a writer as an author as a daughter as i know you also really focus on like body image and the books and things like that how important has community been for you through any of these kind of facets of freelancing i'm sure it's important but I don't know. Maybe we'll find someone one day that's like, I only needed my partner and my family. And <laughs> that's okay, too. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like community has really saved me. Yeah, this is something we didn't talk about too much. But in my first book, especially, I wrote about my struggles with eating disorder, with an eating disorder. And it was such a secret. It was my deepest, darkest secret. And the thing I think that saved me was finding a community I found I for me that ended up being a 12-step group but of just people who like got it who I could be honest yeah. and let this secretive curtain close open the secretive curtain and be like this is me and then I feel like in all in all aspects of my life community has really saved my ass um 
I think that's the biggest thing I miss about working in restaurants, even though it's been a while, is you really do at the end of a busy night, you do feel like your fellow servers and cooks are like a sort of family and they call it family mm -hmm. meal and you're all in it together. And it's really this team spirit. And I missed that a lot when I became a freelancer. Um, it can be really lonely. And I feel like that has inspired me to seek out kind of communities even more. And I'm part of, I'm part of a writer's group. I'm part of a, like I, now I'm really into joining groups, which wasn't really something that I did sure. before, but I feel like I need that sense of camaraderie and to feel like I'm in it with people. And I, I definitely have a group of mom friends, which feels so good to say because I became a mom during co early COVID days. And we moved from New York City to this small town in New Jersey, and I didn't know anyone. And it took a long time. I didn't, I don't know if I would have said that emphatically even a year ago. But now I do really feel like I have this group of fellow moms who are like in the trenches with me and who get it. And I think that's almost why I want to write too, is I want to remind people that they're not alone. It just, I can't even start to explain how much it helps me. I don't, I couldn't. It's just too, it's just too hard to do anything alone. Like I think COVID gave us that yes. reminder for sure. I think that's, that's yeah. a big, God. a big part of why Alex and I do this podcast. It's a big part of, I think to your point, being really purposeful. I've told people that I've talked to, my sister-in-laws who are a little bit younger than me or different women, just so we can say it, it's fucking hard to make friends when you're an adult. Like you have to be so purposeful about it. We did like a mom's night last night and I literally was like introducing how I knew people. And one of them, I was like, oh, she's my neighbor. But the way we met is our kids were in uh, rec soccer together. And my friend and I would bring meals every night and a bottle of wine and share it. And she just kept inching closer to our towel, our little oh, quilt. Wow. And then the last week was like, can I bring some food? And we were like, girl, yes, you can. We're here for this commitment level. Uh, and now we're all friends. <laughs> and so it's, you really have to put yourself out that. there and be like, yeah, I it's like vulnerability. You. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard. Oh my God. And sometimes you put yourself out there and the person's like, yes. And sometimes you put yourself out there. And I've had these moments at the playgrounds where I've just uh, gotten like, I what one person I actually texted, like, oh, do you want to have a walk or something? or have coffee and she was like no thank you oh, you gotta find your that people terrifying. you just gotta find them fast terrifying. like no shame you're lost really right yeah like, exactly right. a thousand percent they're right. lost oh my god i'm taking a like a homework assignment coming off of this i'm gonna try to make a new friend this week i'm like i'm trying with my neighbors but it's hard it's what you say, I, I just said i love this assignment i'm here for it I love this assignment. Let's do it. Make a new friend. I've been trying with my neighbors and I just think it's hard because when you're inside and you're not just like looking out the window, you're like, everyone must be inside too. And I never see anybody outside, but people go outside and take walks and do things. And it's again, it's taking that step, being vulnerable and just asking someone. It's like dating, like asking someone to just go for a coffee or go for a walk. That's everybody's assignment this week. Nicole's into it. Yay. Thank you, teacher. <laughs> I'm here for it. Okay. One final burning question. What's your favorite cheese? I think that's a really hard question to ask a cheese person. It's like asking what's your favorite child. 
Oh, so sometimes 100%. in the industry we say, "What's your desert island cheese? Like, what okay. cheese would you be stranded with on the desert island?" And I do. I just I wrote a, a story I can share with you for Bon Appetit recently about my desert island cheese, which is called Harbison, which is made from Jasper Hill in Vermont. And it's this little wheel wrapped in spruce with wood from their own woodland. And it is one of those like gooey, ooey, you could slice off the top and either just stick a baguette in it and scoop it up or spoon it up. It is kind of funky, but not, doesn't hit you over the head, but it's a little stinky and it's just so silky. The texture is like pudding. It's like melted ice cream or something. Wow. So well that's going um, on the menu this weekend this is, it's delicious yeah this is why you're a writer you just made my mouth water <laughs> as you were talking about it no i want some here. my my answer would have been so quick it would have been like manchego the oh, end and, and hannah's like manchego what <laughs> no manchego is delicious does your husband like manchego no. oh i was gonna say that's like a good cheap milk go gateway he used to buy me off cuts because he was like i know Aww. you like this and so that's where my purchase of the the triple play cheese and to try and get him a little bit into sheep's milk. But I love this so much. Another cheese guess. you should get for him is called the Tour, which is also triple milk, but it's kind of like brie-ish. So I don't know if he likes brie. Oh, I love a brie. He does like brie. Try the Tour okay. too. L-A-T-U-R. It's an Italian cheese. He, that might win him over too. Because it's like okay, pretty we'll, mild we'll put... and yummy. We're going to put Hannah's uh, email yep. in the show notes. And for the low, low price of $29.99, she can customize a cheese recommendation for you. I love you that. Heard it here, we should Paul. do like a quiz. Like, which cheese are you uh, or something? Absolutely. Oh, passive income, girl. You just put that link on your link tree and people will take that all day long. But Glad we have this. Same. Thanks for sharing, Thank Hannah. You, Hannah. Thanks for picking your favorite child. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> I love it. Hannah, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for joining. I am like, I feel very hungry. And all I want to do is write about food. I I was a blogger for a while. And I will tell you, you have, you are very talented because I couldn't write and finish a blog post in a two hour time frame. I think writing is really hard. I think it can be easy when you're passionate maybe about what you're writing about and when you go to school for it and learn how to do it. But I found it incredibly challenging. So I think it's an incredibly honorable Oh my God, area of work that you're in. And I'm just, I think it's awesome that you're lending your voice to so many parents and foodies mm-hmm. and all and aspiring writers. I love it very much. So thank you again for joining us. This was so fun. And just to say Yay. that I, writing is usually hard, but there are days where it feels like, I don't mean to sell it as something else. Um, no, 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 you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly leaning into how hard I think oh. it is. Um, I love it. No, of course. I'm really honored to, to chat with you guys. This was so fun. Yay, same. Now I feel like I'm, we're caught up. We could follow each other on Facebook for another five years. Talk to that. And catch well, up again well, soon. We'll get to see each other in person one day. I know. I actually think, given your, your cheese love, I actually think Madison would be a very fun trip Madison for you. Madison in the um, yeah, I, I would love that. Come. Madison in the yes. summertime. Yeah. Come on over. We'd be happy to host. If your kids need a play date, I have crazy kids. It'll be great. It'll be a great hangout. (laughs) All righty, guys. Well, thank you again for tuning in to this. Could have been an email, the podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure. Nicole, until next time. We bid you adieu. Bye, friend. Go go make a new friend. Go make a new friend today. Bye. (laughs)